Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I know that many of you have gotten to know my mother over the years. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my mom is a retired second grade teacher. Now, teaching elementary school is a job that requires much patience and a sense of humor, then and now. This recent snowfall uh, made me think of a story that I swear happened to her, uh, though if I'm embellishing a bit, please forgive me, Mother. One winter day, a little boy from her class came into the classroom just shortly after school had ended and complained that he couldn't get his boots on. Well, said my mom with that cheerful, happy, can-do voice that elementary teachers all seem to have, have a seat and let's see what we can do. After several minutes, though, the boots were still in my mother's hands. And uh, the little boy said, do you think it would help if I took the mittens out of the toes first? Uh, Yes, said my mother, with just a hint of frustration. And after removing the mittens, they struggled for a few more minutes, and finally they'll manage to get the boots on. The little boy looked down and said, they're on the wrong feet. And sure enough, when my mother looked, it became apparent that this was true. Somehow in the struggle to get the boots on, my mother had flipped the boots around, and they were in fact on the wrong feet. So she pulled them off and they struggled again for a couple more minutes. Finally, the boots got back on again, this time on the correct feet. Then the little boy looked down and said, Mrs. Lore, these are not my boots. And my mother said, you've got to be kidding me and took the boots off as fast as she could. And when she got the second boot off, the little boy said with a smile, they're my brother's boots. My mom told me that I should wear them today. My mom sent the little boy home in his tennis shoes with a note. There are days in this life when we have to laugh or we'll cry. And there are moments when we find ourselves in complex and difficult situations that push all the wrong buttons and we know that God must have a sense of humor. So we need to have a sense of humor, too. That certainly was the case for Abraham and Sarah. In our reading from Genesis 17 today, which was uh, an Old Testament reading, God is making a promise to some very old people. I want to share with you a portion of that story from Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. 
I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. So, in this reading, Abraham is 99. Sarah is 90. And they are childless to this point in their lives. And I'm quite obviously convinced it will always be this way. Right? These are, after all, a couple of ancient characters. Right? Near the end of their lives. An ice cream social at the VFW was as exciting as things got for old Abe and Sarah. But then God with his sense of humor, broke into their story. He promised them descendants. And you cannot have descendants as numerous as stars in the sky without first having at least one baby. right? So God promised this aged, childless couple that they would have a son. And I bet that Abe, when he heard the news, just about choked on his metamucil. If you read on in the story, it says that Sarah laughed, laughed. I bet she did, right? But God was dead serious, right? He was calling these two ancient souls to parenthood. Less than one year later, Sarah gives birth and they name the child Isaac. Can you guess what Isaac means? Laughter, laughter, right? Appropriately named. With all the turmoil of these two aged beings chasing after a little baby, there were plenty of moments, I'm sure, when they had to laugh just to keep from crying. But God is always calling his people to what seems impossible, to something that's going to require a lot of courage, but also an incredible sense of humor. In our gospel text for today, Jesus is explaining to his followers that... um, the so-called ride of following him is about to get pretty bumpy. And as they headed toward Jerusalem, Jesus begins to prepare them for the worst. Hear these words from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again, He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd and said to his disciples, and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves And take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who will lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
of then the, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. So just so you know, Jesus warns his followers, I may be the Messiah, but don't expect a dramatic takeover of the authorities when we get to Jerusalem. Right? In fact, expect this. I, I will suffer at the hands of the religious authorities and be put to death only to rise three days later. A strange word, right? No way, says Peter. <laughs> no way. God would never allow it. Right? He might even have laughed. <laughs> the same kind of laughter that Sarah used some 3,000 years earlier. But Jesus isn't joking, even though what he's talking about was definitely going to require a sense of humor. Jesus explained to Peter and the other followers in no uncertain terms that he was calling them to suffer and die, just as God was calling him, Jesus, to suffer and die to fulfill God's mission. Right? He was inv- inviting his disciples to follow along. And in doing so, he told them they'd have to deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow him. In other words, things were going to get a little treacherous. And, and, and anyone with reservations, right? anyone who didn't want to get dirty, anyone who wasn't willing to give up their own interests for the sake of God's mission should just stay behind. I think it's remarkable to note that no one did. No one stayed behind. They all followed. Right? After Jesus' death and resurrection, they were called by the risen Lord Jesus into the world to be witnesses to the power of God. They embarked on a dangerous mission with zeal, and most of them paid for it with their lives. Right? Some were boiled alive. Others were stoned. Peter, legend has it, was nailed to a cross of his own, but he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord, so he requested to be crucified upside down. A few of Jesus' disciples did live to a ripe old age, but they were no doubt beaten and harassed more than their share along the way. When it came time to deny themselves, pick up their crosses and follow, they did it. And they inspired through that witness, through that faithfulness, through that courage and self-denial, right? They inspired the church. And it grew by leaps and bounds because of their witness. Right? And I am sure that there were moments in that treacherous journey that they had to laugh just to keep from crying. Right? But we know that the story doesn't end there. Right? The story of God's people continues to the present day and our Lord issues the same call to his people today that he made to his first followers 2,000 years ago. If you want to become my followers, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now I know that in parts of the world, that call is as easy to understand as it was 2,000 years ago. In many parts of the world, being a follower of Christ is Forbidden. And though Christ promises eternal life with him and the Father, being openly Christian in those parts of the world means sure and certain persecution. Maybe even death. In those parts of the world, you don't have to wonder 
what it means to deny yourself and carry your cross, it's abundantly clear. But what about us? What about you and me? Hearing this call to discipleship, this call to self-denial, this call to carry our crosses and follow Jesus, what does that mean for us? We certainly can't say that following Jesus is dangerous to our physical well-being in in this country. We're at no risk of, of being nailed to a cross or being boiled in oil or stoned to death, any of those kinds of things. But I still believe that our call to deny ourselves and follow Jesus is the same. But what does that mean in our situation? Right? Today I want to suggest that the call to follow Jesus has everything to do with living out our callings in the environment where God has placed us. Right? Doing the work that God has called us to do. Right? Whatever it is. We don't have to, to invent some sort of cross, some sort of suffering. Just do what you've been called to do. Be obedient in the ordinary circumstances that God has called you. That that's bearing your cross. Right? It is hard work. Balancing family life and work life and community responsibilities and more. It is difficult to find the money to pay the bills and to be generous with the church with your financial gifts at the same time. It's hard work raising teenagers. It's hard work being a teenager, right? It's hard work when you find yourself caring for aging parents and caring for children at the same time, the so-called sandwich generation. It's hard work being faithful and diligent in your walk with God to carve out time each Sunday for worship and each day for some sort of prayer. There's enough work to do in this life that if you had ten hands and five heads, there still wouldn't be enough to get it done. And there are times when we just want to throw up our hands and cry. But my invitation, instead of throwing up your hands and crying, at least from time to time, laugh. right? Laugh in the face of your struggles. Laugh with the laughter that only faith can bring. Laugh in the face of struggle and chaos, knowing that only God knows where this all leads. Let us laugh knowing that even though the crosses we bear will one day wear us out completely and will be laid down in the earth, that one day you and God will have the last laugh. Right? So arise, people of God, arise. Take up your crosses. Take up your challenges. Take up the struggles, the tasks, the journey that God has called you to, remembering that God rarely calls us to the easy road. Abraham and Sarah were not the first couple, nor will they be the last couple called to parenthood past the customary age. My mother is not the last one who will struggle to get boots and other clothing on a child. And in this life, we will face even more difficult and serious challenges as we bury loved ones and fight disease, endure family feuds, suffer through divorce, and other challenges as well. But through it all, may we find joy enough even to laugh, knowing that all of this struggle, by the power of the one who conquered even death itself 
will eventually give way to a life free of trouble, filled with exuberant laughter and joy. So let us laugh even now as we journey as a sign of what is to come. Praise be to Christ. Amen.